Welcome to the Horizon Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our mission as a church is to win people to Jesus Christ, disciple people in Jesus Christ, and send people for Jesus Christ. If you'd like to learn more or partner with us, simply go to horizon.org. We hope this episode encourages you in your walk with Jesus as you continue to grow in His love and truth. Now, let's join Pastor Bob as we study God's Word together. Church, we are coming to you this weekend from the desert, because we're all kind of in the desert, spiritually speaking, in this time of sequestering and quarantine and shutdown. The desert narrative and motif just sort of seemed to make sense. So grab your Bible with me, join me in this setting. We're going to celebrate communion together, as you can tell. And uh, I've got one for the fridge. I'm giving you verses that you can put on your fridge. Here I've got one for you in Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy chapter 32. Thank you, band, for that worship time. You guys, wasn't that great? I love that song. Day and night, night and day, let incense arise. You know, God shows up in the desert throughout Scripture in a really powerful way. And uh, I'd love to show you just a couple of snippets of that as we just come before the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, thanks for this setting out here and all that it is symbolized and represented through the centuries. This is where you have in powerful ways met with your people. And we would ask that you would meet with us as we open your word, as you would bless each and every heart and home that is celebrating you at this weekend and beginning of a brand new month. And Lord, for some of us, we feel like we're in the desert And so this motif makes sense to us. And I pray that you just would show yourself strong on behalf of every heart and life and marriage and family that is tuning in. Bless this time. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen. Amen. Hey, look at this verse. It's one for your fridge. It's verse 10, Deuteronomy 32. And he found him in a desert land and in the wasteland, a howling wilderness. Even the wind fits in, a howling wilderness, it says. And uh, he encircled him, and he instructed him, and he kept him as the apple of his eye. What a thought. Man, what a perspective. What a, what a place in the desert for you and I to believe that God is a God of the desert. This is desert time. This season uh, has been so strange. And if you don't think it's strange, you haven't been out yet, just go to the grocery store and see how strange life has become so quickly. Um, we're in the desert. Symbolically speaking, a time in life that is like no other time we've ever experienced. We're in the desert. You're in the desert. We're in the desert together. And the best news of all that is that he is in the desert with us. God is a God of the desert. It's, it's a time for him uh, to show himself strong on our behalf. It's a time where we come really to the end of the ability for us to trust in the things of ourselves. And we just put all of our faith and trust and reliance and dependency upon him. It's desert time. It's desert time. And if you grew up in the 80s, that's like saying it's hammer time because desert time was hammer time. Let me show you. Turn to Exodus. If you're in Deuteronomy, just 
uh, hang a left and go back a little bit into Exodus chapter 16 with me, okay? And um, I'm just going to read a little bit to you out of this passage uh, in Exodus and just kind of let it sink in. Let it soak in this time of us being in the desert. Look what the Lord would say. Um, Verse 1, he journeyed from Elam and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the desert, to the wilderness of Zin, which was between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. So they've just left Egypt. They've just left that life under Pharaoh, that life of slavery. And they've now just embarked on this time known as uh, the years in the wilderness, the years of wandering. Look at verse two. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full, you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill us, this whole assembly with hunger. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them. The desert is a time of testing. Let's be wary of a couple of things. Let me encourage your heart today. Let's be wary of longing to go back to the way things were because that's what the Israelites are doing here. They're wanting to go back to Egypt, really? Yeah, why didn't you just bury us in the land of Egypt? That's an interesting thought. You know why? Because Egypt was known for burials. Like the first thing that you think of when I mention Egypt is pyramids. They were cemeteries. They were tombstones. They're like, why didn't you just bury us there in a land that's known for being buried, they would mummify everyone and they would build these pyramids. Instead, you've brought us out here into the, into the wilderness, into the desert land. And the Lord says, I've brought you out to test you. They wanted to go back to slavery rather than to be tested. I think we would say together in full agreement that we are in a season of life right now of testing. God's testing what we're trusting in. God's testing our state and testing our nation. God's testing every nation of the world. God's testing the planet. Someone once said it's easier to get people out of slavery than to get slavery out of people. And they wanted to go back to slavery. That's going to take a process in their life to get the slavery mentality out of them and the set free life of now living in the abundance of a land flowing with milk and honey and promise and blessing, that's gonna take a season of sanctification. It's gonna take a season of process. It's actually gonna take about 40 years. Read on with me a little bit. Look at verse four. Then the Lord said to Moses, behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you and the people will go out and gather it that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. Whether they will walk in my law. That's, that's, that's interesting. When, when he says that I may test them, you know, some of us are like, I've had enough of the testing. I'm doing homeschooling. My kids are on remote learning. We just gonna go ahead and let them graduate. They're done. The school year's over. The word for testing actually is interesting that God uses here in Exodus. The, the word for testing is the word to prove, to prove them. You know what that word is? It's the word Nassau, 
I wore this sweatshirt. I got a lot of props on the sweatshirt. I wasn't going to wear a sweatshirt out here in the desert this week, but uh, grabbed one of my favorite t-shirts. But that, that NASA sweatshirt, NASA means to test or to prove, to put to the test, to put to the proof. And typically, anytime that's concerned, whether NASA or not, it's going to involve an element of heat. <laughs> And they're like, no, this is too hard. This is too hot. We just want to go back. And he begins to lay out for them his plan of proving. Look at verse five. And it'll be on the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in. And they shall, uh, it, it shall be twice as much as they gather. The sixth day, in other words, get twice as much than you did on any other day. And Moses and Aaron said to all the children, at evening... You will know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning, you shall see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your complaints against the Lord. But what are we that you complain against us? Moses is just trying to make the point. I'm just the messenger. He's the one that's, you know, he's sort of like covering his base there a little bit. And in the morning, verse seven, you shall see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your complaints. But what's all this complaining against us, man? Don't, don't take it out on us. And then Moses said this in verse eight. He said, this shall be seen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and in the morning bread to the full for the Lord hears your complaints, which you make against him. And what are we? He says it again. He doubles down. He repeats himself. Your complaints are not against us. I'm just your buddy, man. I'm your cousin. I'm your brother. It's against the Lord. And the Lord spoke, verse nine and speaks up and, and, uh, and tells Moses to speak to Aaron and, and, and to just set the record straight. He says this, say, say to all the children of Israel, tell them this, come near before the Lord, he's heard your complaints. And it came to pass as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness. They looked at the barren vastness of the, of the wasteland desert and, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in a cloud. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, I've heard the complaints of the children of Israel. Speak to them. And at twilight, you will eat the meat. And in the evening, you'll be filled with bread. And you will know that I am the Lord, your God. Wow. He's willing to meet us wherever we are, whatever the challenges are that we're faced with. And, and he promises this for us, that he's actually going to use it in our lives to accomplish something far greater than we would ever be without allowing him to accomplish his perfect will and purpose for our life. And so everything's set up. They know the protocol. They know the procedure. They know what they're to do. Look at verse 13. And it, it was, uh, 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 so it was that the quails, they came at evening and they, they covered the camp. Can you just imagine that? Like all of a sudden out of nowhere, this cloud of quail cloud of quail shows up. And in the morning, a cloud of bread, a cloud of, we were driving out here early this morning. We're trying to beat the heat. Yeah. Good luck with that. And we came down into this valley and it was just filled with this cloud, this fog of mist. It was actually super early this morning, rather eerie as we drove through it because we knew the forecast. We knew that was going to burn off in no time. It was just going to be blazing heat down on us. But can you imagine that type of cloud of quail coming upon your campground, that cloud of bread coming upon, quail in the evening and bread in the morning, a layer of dew lifted in verse 14. And there on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance as fine as frost 
on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? You know, that's what manna means, right? The word manna, God's got a sense of humor. I'm telling you what. They're like, what is that? And God's like, let's call it that. Let's name it that. Manna means what is that? They didn't know what it was. And Moses said to them, here's what it is. It's bread, which the Lord has given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Let every man gather it according to each one's need, a omer for each person, according to the number of persons, and let each man take for those who are in his tent. And the children of Israel did so. They gathered and some more and some less. And when they had measured it by the omers, he who gathered had had he who gathered much had nothing left over. It didn't, didn't really make much sense for him to gather more than he needed. And he who gathered little had no lack. This is amazing. This is the Lord showing up in the desert big time. And I believe that he'll show up for you. He'll show up for me. He'll show up for us. Every man who gathered according to each one's need. The ones who hoarded the toilet paper. Yeah, that's not in here. The ones who hoarded too much of the manna didn't last. Nothing was left over. But he who gathered little, it somehow multiplied and became enough to meet the needs in his tent. Verse 19, so Moses said, let no one leave any of it until morning. Notwithstanding, they did not heed Moses, but some of them left part until the morning and it bred worms and it began to stink and Moses was angry with them. And so they gathered it every morning, every man according to his need. And when the sun became hot, hello, it melted. It melted away, it vanished. So it was on the sixth day, that they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one. And all the rulers of the congregation came and they told Moses. And then they said to him, this is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow's the Sabbath rest, the holy Sabbath day of the Lord. We talked about that last weekend together, that this very well could be. If you missed it, I'd encourage you to um, join our YouTube channel so you don't miss a single one of these messages, but go back to the archive because it very well could be according to the mathematics and calculations of Josephus, it very well could be that 2020 is a Sabbath year. It's a sabbatical year. It's a year where you're experiencing something pretty phenomenal. You're experiencing a forced global rest. And that's what Moses is saying. Tomorrow's the Sabbath. It's a day of holy rest. And... Um, you need to gather what you need for that day on the day before. Twice as much. For on the Sabbath day, you will not gather any at all. Take what you need. Bake what you will bake. Boil what you will boil. And lay up for yourselves all that remains to be kept until morning. So the Sabbath was covered and, and they laid up until morning as Moses had commanded. And it didn't stink as it did on the other days, nor were any worms in it. Just again, the provision and miraculous handiwork of God showing up even at the most barren, desolate points in our life. He is worthy. He's worthy of it all. He's faithful. My goodness. Can I just read a little more? Verse 25, then Moses said, Eat that today, for today is the Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you'll gather it, but on the seventh day, on the Sabbath, there will be none. 
And it happened that some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather. They're like, what's the difference with the seventh day compared to any other day of the week? I'm going to go out and gather my group of manna of what is it laying out in my front yard. And they went out and guess what? They didn't find any. They found none at the end of verse 27. They found none. And the Lord said to Moses, how long uh, do you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, for the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, he gives you on the sixth day bread for two days. Let every man remain in his place and let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. Let no man go out of his place. In other words, quarantine, forced shutdown, global rest, which they do in verse 30. All the people rested on the seventh day and the house of Israel called, called its name manna. And it was like white coriander seed. And the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. And Moses said, this is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Fill an omer with it to be kept in your generations that they may see the bread with which you were fed in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, put a pot. I love how he doubles down, repeats himself again in this procedure and says, put an omer of manna in it and lay it up before the Lord to be kept for generations. You remember where they kept that, right? Do you remember when they further journey into the wilderness, into the desert, they ultimately end up wherever they stop building a tabernacle. And there the Ark of the Covenant would be displayed, representing the presence of the Lord in the center of the camp. And inside the Ark of the Covenant was this very fulfillment of scripture, the jar of manna that had been kept for the generations to be reminded how God was faithful to take care of them in the midst of their quarantine, in the midst of their time in the desert. Yeah. Take a pot and put an omer in it and lay it before the Lord to be kept for your generations. And that's us in the sense that we're going to take this bread and this cup and be remindful of how the Lord faithfully passed over their homes when they were in Egypt and is now faithfully still with them as they are journeying through the desert and how he is faithfully with us. You can call on his name right now. You can put your trust in him and know that he is with you. He is for you. He will never leave you. He'll never forsake you, you guys. He is a God of the desert. So the Lord, a couple verses, and we'll just kind of wrap this thing up and talk about some application points that I'd love for you to jot down with me as we study this scripture together. But let me just finish up the chapter here for you in the last couple verses that remain, beginning in verse 34. The Lord commanded Moses, and so Aaron laid it up before as a testimony to be kept, and the children of Israel ate manna 40 years until they came to the inhabited land and they ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. Yeah, that's it. Um, God was with them and saw them through all 40 years, right up to the moment in the day when they would cross over and leave the wilderness and enter into the land of milk and honey, of promise and of blessing. Little verse he adds there at the end, verse 36. Now an omer is one-tenth of an ephah, just so we're clear on that and everyone knows the measurements. No, but it really is just this faithful story of God's hand of provision upon his people. 
And I think it applies well to the time and season of life that we're in right now, you guys, that we are building in a very unknown, unprecedented time of, of, of life. We, we are choosing to build together on this, the firm foundation and promises of God's word. That as he met them in their desert, he'll meet you in yours. He'll meet me in mine. Check this out. And he will call you, according to Deuteronomy 32, that was the verse for your fridge, the apple of his eye. You're the apple of his eye, you guys. This applies so well to us, but I think it, it bids a question. How will we be different after our wilderness journey? How will we be different after our time in the desert? How will we emerge from this? You know, the result always of the number 40 in Scripture, let me just sort of sum this up for you real quick if I can encourage you with this. Always in Scripture, the number 40 sums up specifically always resulting in change. These people at the end of their 40 years of journeying in the desert, they're going to come out of it changed. Noah, after the 40 days, 40, 40 would always institute in scripture a time of change. And after the 40 days of rain, it would institute a change globally for the entire planet in the days of Noah. How about Moses when he's up on Mount Sinai, maybe like that one behind me, he's up on that mount and they're based camp down here at the bottom of the mountain, told not to touch it. And how long does Moses go up on that mountain? Anyone? Come on, just guess, shout it out, 40 40 days he's on top of that mountain because 40 would always institute a change in the people's life. Jesus even himself submitted to 40 days of temptation in the wilderness as he began his ministry. Every mom out there, and we're gonna be celebrating Mother's Day next weekend. Every mom in the audience today, hey, text your mom right now. Tell her to tune in and watch next weekend. Text her right now, have her tune in and watch this because every mom knows that 40 always institutes some pretty radical change because how long were you pregnant, mom? But for, except maybe a few exceptions, on the average, 40, 40 weeks, man. Let me just take it a step further for you because the word quarantine is a Latin word. Anyone want to guess what it means? The Latin word quarantine means 40. Check this out. How about this for you? This whole quarantine started on March 23rd, I believe. And according to most of the states that are beginning to reopen and the guidelines and instructions coming from our government will officially sort of begin to come to an end May 1st, this weekend that we're studying this. And if you just want to add it up or I could add it up for you, this quarantine has lasted 40 days. It's a timely word that we find God setting before us in the desert for our desert for a time to grow and believe that God is desiring something from us, not just how to learn how to wash our hands better and not touch our face so much more, but that our hearts would be right before him, that our hearts would be clean 
and our souls would be saved. It's those types of seasons in life that God often brings people out in the desert to experience. The desert time is a discipline time. It's a disciplinary time. Desert time is disciplinary time. It's testing time. It's how am I going to emerge from this? What am I learning from this? It's not just getting through it. It's what am I going to take from it? You know, Moses, before all of this began in Exodus, had to spend 40 years of preparation between the time that he left Egypt, having grown up in the palace of Pharaoh. He has to go out to the backside of the desert and learn how to be a shepherd in taking care of his father-in-law's sheep for 40 years of testing, of discipling that goes on. You would, I'm sure, not argue with me if I was to say that 2020 sure seems to be shaping up to be our disciplinary year. That's interesting because 20 plus 20 equals... <laughs> 40. And it's also the year of census, which is kind of a staggering similarity yet once again, because Jesus Christ, the savior of the world was born in a year of census. So what do we take out of this time of disciplinary? Because the desert is exactly that. But let me give you some good news because a lot of us don't like discipline. It's sort of like the fingernails on the chalkboard. Discipline, that's tough, but there isn't anyone that God says he loves that he doesn't then also discipline. It's a part of being in the family. And it's him wanting to restructure some priorities in our life that we would actually, in being tested, be proven and emerge out of this better than we ever were without it. But secondly, desert time is also a temporary time. This won't last forever. This too will pass. The testing time in our life always has a time stamp, an expiration date, and we can trust and believe that God will see us through. Thirdly, it's a necessary time. Desert time is a necessary time for us to be strengthened and to grow and, and to, to know this, to come back and, and, and know of his love, to be able to trust in his word and to be reminded that he loves us. He loves you guys. This isn't him taking out his revenge on you. That price has already been paid. Jesus faced all of the wrath of God on our behalf when he died on the cross and spilt his blood and allowed his body to be broken. No, this is actually a time so that we would be stripped down and being reminded once again who we are to be trusting in and the one who loves us the most. His arms are stretched wide open, nail scarred, and wanting for us to give him our trust. You know what else I think the desert time is? I know it's a hammer time, it's a disciplinary time, but it's a temporary time, but it's a necessary time. But it's also, take this from it, church. It's a visionary time. There isn't any place where I could come with my boys and friends and family and, 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 and find the stars to be any brighter and clearer than when we come out here to the desert. This is a visionary time. A desert time is a visionary time. Maybe just to clear up what we've been focused on. Because right now, it's our self-sufficiency that's been on life support. We need to come back and put our trust in him and see him as clearly as he deserves to be seen. 
and then lived for. You know, I think the desert is a reminder of his provision that if he took care of them miraculously with the cloud of quail and the cloud of manna and the cloud that led them by day and the pillar of fire, his provision is the same over you. His promises are as true for you. His presence, I would say this to you, his presence with you is even stronger than it was then. Back then, he was bound to a box. He was on top of a mountain with Moses. With us, he is in us because his Holy Spirit has come to dwell inside of us. We are now his tabernacle. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And his power, we are told in Scripture that we are filled with the same power that rose Jesus from the dead. You see what the desert can do? It can bring clarity and clear up some things where our vision is concerned. Lastly, the desert time is a time of intimacy. It's pretty quiet out here. It's pretty desolate out here. It's a place where you can get alone, and Moses did for 40 years, until God came and stirred him up and, and, and showed him a, a, a bush. He was just like out here looking and he, he saw in the distant horizon a, a bush that was burning but was not being consumed. And, and, and God met him there and spoke to him there. And the relationship that was one distant became personal and intimate. You know what's fascinating? There's this relative of King Saul that in desperation runs to the desert to escape, a descendant relative of King Saul, whose name was Mephibosheth. And we're told that he was hiding out and dwelling in Lodabar. Lodabar, literally in Hebrew, backside of the desert. And David, sitting around his table one day, has a hunkering to ask his servants and captains of his guard, do you think there's any relatives of old King Saul still around? And one of his guys said, actually, there's one, Mephibosheth, he's lame. And he's hiding out in the backside of the desert. David said, go get him. I want him to know that there's room for him at my table. And he will never be in want again. Can you imagine the motorcade pulling up in front of Mephibosheth's tent in the backside of Lodabar, the backside of Borrego Springs, the backside of the desert? That motorcade pulled up and said, lottery won. Lucky day, Mephibosheth. Jump on a board. Oh, you can't walk? Let us pick you up and carry you. And they literally carry him to the table of the king. Is that not the beauty of what the Lord has provided for us in all of our lameness, in all of our disgust, in all of us being related to the wrong family, the, the family of wickedness and evil and sin that we were born into this world with, God has said to his son, they're hiding out, fearful and afraid in the backside of Lodabar, go get them and bring them to my table. That's his invitation of salvation, you guys, for me and for you. But maybe you're still feeling like, no, 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 man, this desert, desolate wasteland of a quarantine, it has destroyed our business. It has challenged our family more than anything we've ever been challenged with. It's too much, Bob. Why would we ever trust in God? I don't know if you saw this. I found it on the internet. Let me give you six reasons why you should trust him right now. I'm going to fly through them real fast. You should trust him today because he knows your name. 
according to Isaiah 43, verse one, he knows you by your name. You're the apple of his eye. According to Psalm 139, the second reason you should trust him is because he's constantly thinking about you. He never stops thinking about you. Thirdly, he fights for you. According to Exodus chapter 14, verse 14, we can stand even in the midst of this pandemic and predicament and believe that God will fight this battle for us. He knows you by your name. He's constantly thinking about you. He fights for you. He has plans for you. According to Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, he's your refuge is why you should trust him. You can run to him and you will not be rejected. He is your refuge and strength, according to Psalm 62, verses six, seven, and eight. And he's always with you. Jesus' promise before he ascended back to heaven is that he will be with us even to the end of the age. That's why you should trust him. That's why you should take this invitation that David gives to Mephibosheth, hiding out in the backside of the desert as your invitation to come and to join us as we celebrate the greatest gift we've ever been given, as we start a brand new month and maybe still a month that's scary and uncertain, we might not know what the future holds, but we know who's on the throne. We know who's in control. We know who holds the future, you guys, we do. And so the band is gonna come and join me and we're gonna lead you in a time of worship as you do a couple of things. Gather up some elements like we have on the table that would represent the body of Jesus. It could be some bread, could be a wafer cracker, Triscuit. Shout out to Triscuit, I love Triscuits. Wheat thins, Ritz, crackers, grape juice, wine, Diet Coke, who cares? It's your heart that matters. And receive what Mephibosheth received, a brand new life, an invitation to sit at the table of the Lord. As we sing this song, it just gives you a, a time to gather those elements together as an act of worship. It also gives you an opportunity to do a couple of other things. If you've never invited Jesus Christ into your desert, He's the God of the desert. There is nothing too hard for him. You can trust him in the midst of whatever you're faced with. Invite him intimately, personally to dwell in your heart and to be your Lord, to be your savior, to save you from your sins. And he will hear your prayer and he will cleanse you of your sin. He will remove from you the penalty which is death. And he will write your name in the Lamb's book of life just by saying yes to his amazing love for you. I know this has been a hard season. It's been a hard season for us to be so distant and apart. I miss you guys. Looking into a lens, staring into the lens of a camera is just not the same for a shepherd a pastor to be looking into your beautiful faces. But I would pray this, that you would know that God sees you right now. He knows exactly what your needs are and your concerns. 
He wants to show himself strong to you in the midst of your desert place. I think a couple of other acts of worship that would help us tremendously as a church is to hit that give button. That as he has given so graciously to us, as we go into this brand new month, it would be a chance for us also to give back what we're able to so that the ministry of this church, whether it's on the campus at El Apajo or through the technical aspects of the internet, could go on and on and on bearing fruit, not just here in our own vicinity and part of the neighborhood and, 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 and plot of ground that the Lord has granted to us, but far beyond, far beyond into neighboring states and nations and even to the uttermost parts of the world. Let's see the ministry continue to bear fruit. All of this, all of it exists because of the faithfulness of God and the graciousness of God's people. It'd be an act of worship for you to give back as you receive what God has given to you. Maybe hit the share button and share this with someone that God's put on your heart that you know is suffering in their time of desolate aloneness. Join this little YouTube band of friends and family. Subscribe to the YouTube channel so that you don't miss another message like this and, and, and tune in and pray with us and for us as we pray for you. And let's even do that right now. Lord, there were times there in the book of Exodus that we just read about where the people were doubting you. There's even a passage of scripture in Psalm 78 where the people cry out, questioning God and doubting God. Can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Well, we know that the answer is yes, he can. Because not only has he done so today, but he tells us in our favorite Psalm, Psalm 23 that you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Certainly one thing that we can say about the desert, it's a dangerous place. There's bandits and villains and poisonous animals. But think of the positioning of the table. I prepare a table before you in the presence. In other words, the table is placed in between you and the threat. How about allowing that to be the case as we celebrate communion? this very first weekend of a brand new month of May. Allow him to anoint your head with oil. Allow him to fill your cup to overflowing. For surely goodness and mercy shall be mine to claim. And I will dwell. We will dwell. Mephibosheth will dwell house of the Lord forever. Grab those elements of communion as the band sings and we'll partake together as we worship the Lord. God bless you. Right now, right now I'm losing. I, I 
I stood on the stage night after night Reminding the broken it'll be alright Right now, oh right now I just can't It's easy to sing and there's nothing to bring you down What will I say when I'm held to the flame like I am right now? I know you're able and I know you can To save through the fire with your mighty hand But even if you don't My hope is you alone They say it only takes a little faith To move a mountain All I have right now But God, when you choose to leave mountains unmovable oh, Give me the strength to be able to sing His will with my soul I know you're able and I know you can You know what these days are, church? These days are the days that grow our faith, these days in the desert. And we would love for you to grab those elements of communion along with Stasi and Matt and myself and trust him in these days. Trust him in this season. You know, I felt very strongly as I was putting this message together that the Lord, I didn't hear his voice or anything, but I certainly felt that he gave me a strong sense of premonition of saying to my heart, Bob, give me 40 for 40. 
and I'm like 40 for 40. I obviously the 40 days couldn't be more coincidental that it's like the official length and season of this quarantine and shutdown. But you know what also it represents? Represents the distance between your knee (laughs) and your foot times two. That what if we were to in worship and trust and faith and admiration give him not just 20 for 40, that'd be one knee down and half in and half out. But all 40, for 40, for whatever season you find yourself in, you'd be surrendered and trusting that he is faithful. He loves you. He didn't just say it, he proved it on the cross. Give him 40 for 40. Bow your knee, both knees, and proclaim him to be your Lord of Lords and your King of Kings. Do it now, even as we celebrate communion together in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Let's partake together. Thanks for meeting us here, Lord, in the desert seasons of our life. And we claim in faith and believe in Jesus that there is life on the other side. And we want to come out of this better than we went into this. And we want to give you all the praise and all the honor and all the glory for that in our homes and families and businesses and certainly in our hearts as we bow before you. We give you 40 for 40 and just praise you that you are on the throne and in control and we give you our lives and surrender our plans at the foot of the cross and proclaim you to be who you truly are the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the Savior who meets us even in the desert. We praise you for that together and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. See you next weekend for Mother's Day. God bless you. Thanks for joining the Horizon Church Podcast with Pastor Bob. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast channel. And if this message has blessed you, please share it either directly or on social media. If you live in the San Diego area, we'd love to have you join us at a weekend service. Or to catch our live stream, visit horizon.org slash live every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Pacific. If you'd like to learn more or partner with us, simply go to horizon.org. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We'll see you next time.